This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back. Last show of the week. Hope you guys are all sticking around, listening. Maybe you're already on vacation. Some people taking long weekends with the 4th coming up on Tuesday. Um, No show planned next Tuesday, by the way, but otherwise should have four shows next week. A full complement of non-holiday shows on Daily Delivery next week. Good one today. Going to talk some Wolves with Timberwolves beat writer Chris Hine. Free agency in the NBA starting today. Wolves with some decisions to make, especially after um, cutting ties with Torian Prince earlier this week and uh, not offering Nikhil Alexander-Walker a qualifying offer this week as well. Maybe some work to do there in the on the wings. <clears throat> Sounds like Alexander Walker could be back if they are able to get him on a long-term deal, but I'll talk about that a little bit more later, and Chris Hyde and I will get into the draft, Carl Anthony Towns, other big-picture roster-building stuff with this team going forward. Got to get to the links at the end of the show. Suddenly, a team that started poorly and looked like it was just bound for the lottery and playing for 2024. Hey, if the season started Sorry, if the playoffs started today, season wouldn't have started today. That'd be weird. We'd be talking about uh, nothing happened already. If the playoffs started today, they would be in. Uh, they'd be the the seven, eight seed somewhere in there um, in the WNBA. Another good win for them on Thursday night. Another big game for Nafisa Collier. So we'll end the show with that. First, though, what did I miss? It's kind of refreshing to hear the Wild talk about this year's recently concluded NHL draft and their strategy going into it. Everybody on the planet who at least follows a modicum of hockey knows that a seemingly forever weakness for this team has been depth at center. They've had some good ones, for sure. Joel Eriksson-Eck is a very good one, very good two-way center on the team right now, but they have been looking for high-quality centers for longer than I can really remember. So they go into this recent draft, and they're still looking at that from a prospect pool, from an organizational standpoint, that, yeah, even in the minors, they need to add centers, even even you know even if they've got some guys down there knocking on the door like Marco Rossi. They need to get better, bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled up the middle. So what do they do? Not one, not two, but three centers. First-round pick Charlie Stramel. 21, uh, 21st pick overall. We talked about him a little bit yesterday. Um, but then they went into rounds two through seven on Thursday, took Rasmus Kupalainen Thursday at number 53 overall, and then Riley Height, 64th overall. All three of them centers. And they said, hey, um, they intentionally went into this ta- targeting centers. They knew they needed to add centers. And Sarah reporting that even they even passed somebody on their board um, that they thought maybe they had a little bit higher on the board to to make to make a pick to 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 get a center. So teams always you know try to talk about we're going to take the best player available, best player available, best player available. Well, in this case, the Wild came close to that, but they also specifically drafted for organizational need, and they drafted you know they drafted for you know someone who maybe wasn't the exact top player on their board. I don't think they reached all that far, but. They did pass over at least one player, Judd Brackett, saying just having someone higher on our list doesn't necessarily mean they're the right fit for us. 
So that's just interesting to me, just understanding what they're doing. This is kind of how Bill Guerin is building this team, finding the needs, finding the holes, finding how to plug them, thinking about the, the present and the future. I mean, these are all things that a good general manager should be doing, and I think Bill Guerin is a very good general manager. This was struck me a little bit that, wow, not only did they target centers, they were willing to kind of jump around their board just a little bit to make sure they got that. Now, both of those first two guys they picked are six foot three size, um, you know, some two-way ability, um, you know, so, so these are guys that could be helping them in two to, th- two to three years down the road. And again, that doesn't help you tomorrow. That doesn't give you that talented playmaking center to play with Kirill Kaprizov necessarily, where they've been trying to figure that out for the first couple of years he's been here. I mean, Ryan Hartman's done a serviceable job in a lot of those years, especially two years ago. But <clears throat> if they're really being honest about it, they would love, I'm sure, to pair Kaprizov with someone more established and dynamic or an up-and-comer like Rossi who could be who can become that kind of player but right now they still probably lack that at the uh, at the NHL level but they're trying to address that in the minors and they aren't afraid it sounds like to jump around their board a little bit to try to get it done. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Let's talk Timberwolves on today's show with Chris Hine. Um, NBA free agency starts Friday, technically. It's kind of the negotiating window, and then players can sign a few days after that. The Wolves already kind of did their, what might be their biggest, at least free agency move of the season, Chris, with the Naz Reed signing the three-year $42 million deal, the, the, the player option on that third year that we learned about just a few days ago. But I wanted to get your perspectives on that and what else might be coming up. So um, let's talk about that. But first, how are you? How's your summer going? Things are good. Back in Minnesota, spent some time with the family in Pennsylvania for a few weeks. Um, But the last week or two, I've been back in Minnesota and trying to enjoy the summer. That's good. Hey, Dad, congrats, too. I saw you on the the, uh, the OutSports list of the 100 most influential uh, uh, people in sports. Good for you. Yeah, that was a very cool honor from from Outsports. Um, I do not feel any more influential than I than I did two days ago. Um, I guess that means I'm an influencer now. Uh, actually, I start peddling uh, peddling questionable products on Instagram. Is that was, <laughs> you is could? That, is that what you, I, some, I think that's be- what some usually beauty, some beauty tips and and beauty secrets and health secrets. I think I think that's the that's the lane I should go now because I have I, I have I have influence apparently. Well, you've all you've always been one of the 100 most influential guests on this show, so you you already had that going for you. But genuinely, uh, congrats on on that and, and all the work that you've done to to earn that distinction. Um, you know, and a lot of it lately covering the Timberwolves. Um, what, what did you make of the Naz Reed signings? I was it caught me a little bit by surprise. I thought they'd have to pay him a little bit more if they were going to keep him, or you know, in terms of you know how keep him for at least from testing free agency. What what did you make of them coming to a an agreement before free agency started? I had kind of handicapped it at about 50-50 in my mind that he was going to be back or not. There were always good vibes between Nas and the organization. Uh, and I, Tim Connolly really wanted him back. 
Um, Nas did not want to leave. I don't think obviously not. Um, just between the combination of this team helping develop him, his really good friends and, you know, Ant and Jaden being on the team and presumably going to be here for the next half decade or so. Um, I think, you know, the, the love of the fan base, uh, you know, he, he feels that the, the kind of social media craze that is on Timberwolves Twitter around any and all things Nas Reed. Um, I think he feels the love and, you know, yeah, you could go get more. Maybe he could have gotten more money elsewhere. Who knows? Maybe he could have started elsewhere. We'll never know the answers to these questions now. Um, but there were just a number of things outside of the money or a starting role, kind of those intangible things that maybe another organization couldn't really offer him that the Timberwolves could. And as long as the money was respectable and was was close to, you know, fair value for what he might get elsewhere yeah that was always going to be the the i think maybe the preferred destination so the the wolves got to about 14 million a year um which is higher than the the mid-level that, that teams that many right. teams that that may be coveted nas reed uh were going to be able to offer him maybe it was less than some of these other teams that weren't up against the the salary cap, maybe they would have been able to offer him some more. We don't know, but you always run the risk of also getting pinched if you go to the open market as well. So if the wolves are sitting here, it's a good situation. Your friends are here. You know, the coaching staff, you mesh well with the coach's offensive system and they're, they're at 14 million a year for you, which is more than most teams are going to be able to pay you. Why not go ahead and, and, and sign? Do you think from, you know, from a practical perspective, this kind of gives him a bigger role? Because obviously, as long as Gobert and Towns are here, he's not going to be a starter. But you see a fair amount of minutes and opportunity, even if they're even if those guys are, you know, taking up a lot of minutes and if they're healthy, because inevitably one of them is going to miss some time with even if it's minor stuff, there's going to be games where one of them's in foul trouble, things like that. Like, it seems like there are enough minutes is there a more is does this contract signify bigger more consistent role for him well i think it has to i think you don't pay him 14 million a year he will be you know he's he's making more money than, than kyle anderson will be next year he'll be making more money than anybody that'll be coming off the bench so if he's not your sixth man or or you know right behind kyle anderson as as the seventh man next year then this will be a waste of a contract for the Timberwolves just from a financial perspective. So it would, if they're not using him, then they, they basically have to say, okay, what are we going to do with this asset? Then he'll have a, he'll still have a lot of suitors on the trade market. Like if, it, if this isn't working out by the middle of the season and, and Nas isn't getting the minutes he wants and, you know, the, or the team just can't find a way to use him, they can, they can always trade him and get, you know, a, a nice return. Um, but they signed him with the intention that he's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, you know, as, as our colleague Dane Moore kind of breaks down in his podcast, he's like, you know, there's 96 minutes of right power forward and center a night to divvy up kind of between Nas, Carl, Rudy, and how does Kyle Anderson also kind of fit in yeah. that picture. Now this is, as you said, this is when everybody's healthy, yes. right? And the odds of everybody being healthy at the same time are maybe a little lower than you think. Yeah, um, right. Guys taking games off here and there for, you know, Rudy, you know, 
things up an ankle or, or something, you know, stuff is just going to happen naturally that I think some of this stuff about minutes is just going to work out by itself um, in terms of how it's, how it's, how the, how the pie is kind of dished out. Um, but I think when all are healthy, I think there is an avenue there for, for Nas to play in the neighborhood of low to mid twenties Yeah. Um, for Kyle Anderson's minutes to maybe come down from where they were a year ago when he was starting a lot of games. Um, I don't think you necessarily need Kyle Anderson to be in the thirties minute wise. I think he could also be in the low to mid twenties. He can play any position. Right. Um, so his minutes can come at the three, they can come at backup point guard for, for some stretches of time. He could be, he could be there. Um, so I'm not as concerned about where the minutes are going to come from, just because I think they they showed that in a couple games that they had with Carl and Rudy last year, Nas was still getting significant minutes and playing really good basketball. So I think you just kind of bottle that and that's the blueprint moving forward. And then injuries and everything else will kind of take care of itself um, as to how the minutes are going to shake out. Do you think he has another level to his ceiling? Because we were starting to see him really come on before he got hurt towards the end of last year, probably playing a lot of his best basketball. And he's a guy that's definitely improved, um, you know, improved his his body, improved his overall skill set as as he's progressed through these four years already in Minnesota. But is there another level to him yet? Well, he could always improve defensively. Yeah, um, good point. You know, there, that's always something that. Nas will be able to improve rebounding. I know is something that is going to be a big focus of his and, and of the teams moving forward, especially on the offensive end, you know, to have him improve in that area. So those are the, probably the, the, the two main areas, but offensively, I feel like, you know, he's a, he's potentially a matchup nightmare coming off the bench for, for some teams as, as other teams get into their bench and maybe go yeah. to their kind of backups. Like he's going to be able to, I think, really torch some some people. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was always, I've always liked Nas um, as a as as a as a guy as, as somebody to interview. I was never really sold on his game for the first couple of years, but the last two years, he really made me a. He really made me just a, a believer in his game and his future and his potential because each year he's just gotten better and better. Um, so I, I, I tend to think that, you know, he's, he's going to be able to add to his game. He's going to be able to improve in some areas. Cause I think that's just what he's done through his first four years. He's steadily improved. He's put in the work. Um, and he's really matured, I think in some ways. So I think there's still a lot of untapped potential with, with Nas and, you know, he's left it open that, that after two years, he could opt out of his deal and, he could be back, uh, you know, in free agency uh, two years from now. Now there is a school of thought that might say um, they got Naz Reed now. If they keep him and they suddenly and, and they keep Towns and they keep Gobert, they're going to be paying those guys what 100, 110 million starting in twenty twenty four. That's a lot of money to have tied up in three big men. Even if you know Towns and Reed are fairly versatile and can play the four. Um, does this? I asked Royce the same thing on Monday, and I think I think we got to the same place. But I want to know what you think. Does this in any way change how you forecast Towns' future, whether it's the immediate future and the possibility of a trade, or kind of the the longer term? You know, within the next 
365 to 375 days of a trade. I don't I don't think it changes the calculus of any of that. Okay. Quite quite honestly, um I think they still have the ability to run it back if they want to with with this signing and the salary cap questions and luxury tax questions that are going to be present next season are still going to be there whether they sign Nasri to this extension or not. Uh cuz that money was going to go likely somewhere, right? So I, I don't think it really changes the calculus too much. Um, I think if you're kicking the can down the road for some of these major decisions a year from now, you're still going to be, hey, you're going to have a year's worth of information to evaluate where this team is at. And so the picture of, of what the roster looks like and what you want the future to look like is going to change significantly over the next year. So I think saying that signing Nas Reed and having a third center now, you know, inked for however much money they are devoting to the center position, I don't think it necessarily means that trading Carl is is the move a year from now. I think we're just going to have to see what this team looks like a year from a year from now before you get a feel for maybe where this thing is headed. Carl's so been, I, I, yeah. I, I I hesitate to say it, it means a town's trade is more or less likely either now or in the future. I think that's fair. I mean, I think all it means to a certain degree, aside from the salary cap ramifications, is that they have someone who can be a starting perhaps caliber for can play next to Gobert if they decide to go that route. But you're right. It, it, I don't think they made this move saying, OK, now we can trade towns. It just maybe gives them a little bit more flexibility um, to do kind of whatever they do want to do. And I will say of Towns, he's been very busy this offseason. He's been on some podcasts with Pat Bev, with Paul George. Um, he's been, I think, Paris Fashion Tour. Maybe he did that last year, too. Um, you see him in all these trade rumors. I saw the most recent one. ESPN.com saying Towns to the Knicks for Julius Randle, Couple other players and three. Was that, was that was that a reported rumor? Or was no, that just a no, out no, no. That was a, now that was a yeah. that was a here's yeah, here. We need to distinguish between yes, those two good things. Point. Yes. yes, this this was not a this was not a these two sides are talking. This is a hey. Yes, here's here's something that might make sense. But they included three first round picks, and I thought that was interesting. Um, in in that uh, in you know just kind of engaging engaging value, and some of these things are more reported or more kind of sourced than others. But um, he was a subject of a GQ article. Um, he's throughout the first pitch at a Yankees game that was part of the GQ article, and I'd seen that on social media already. Uh, is this busier than he usually is in the off season? Because it seems like it is to me. I mean, the podcast appearances maybe, but I also think on some level he's just trying to do his friends a, a solid by yeah. helping promote their shows. Um, you know, as as we've seen, maybe those those looser environments of those podcast <laughs> those podcast appearances maybe yeah. aren't the best <laughs> best avenue for him to express his he's gonna express be the, his thoughts. When he's retired, he's going to go uh, down as uh, he's going to change the game. Listen, listen. If he ever starts his own podcast, uh, yeah. watch out! Uh, yes. Watch out! Um, I got to get him so. on this podcast, by the way. Got to get him on this podcast. <laughs> I know. We'll see what happens then. Uh, you know, just no. get get a former teammate uh, on the, on the show and see what happens. Right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's always been one to to do a lot of off season traveling. Um, if yeah. you ever follow his Instagram, um, he's he's hopping around the globe pretty much every every off season. So. 
you know, I maybe just a few more media appearances than he than he normally does, but um, you know, we'll see what we'll see what the what happens. I thought the GQ profile was was fine. Yeah, I didn't think there was anything uh, that no. was bulletin board material for the rest of the league and in, in that um, or social media. No, so, you know, we'll we'll see. I think uh, you know, I. I I'll be interested to hear some of his some of his thoughts about some of the blowback he got from from those appearances as as kind yeah. of time settles here and maybe as we get closer to the season when when he might be you know talking about some of that stuff a little more. Yeah, yeah, you, I think that's 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 a fair way to look at it. And it, you know, the we'll see really what does happen here in the next week, two weeks, three weeks. He can't nothing officially with him can trade it, it can happen for a while anyway and I think your instinct has probably been the right one all along is that they're probably going to run it back this year and with Naz Reed back they do have the components of a good roster that said you mentioned Kyle Anderson can play all over the court even some backup point guard he might have to because they don't have a whole lot of space left to do much else once free agency starts I don't know what their what their plan is beyond the Reed signing but it doesn't that the, the one offshoot of that is if he you know if they had lost him which I don't think they wanted to but it would have given them a little bit more flexibility to maybe keep some more of these other reserve role players. That's going to get tougher now. It's going to get tougher. So I think that's kind of where they're at right now is how do you make the puzzle pieces fit with the luxury tax line with um, Nikhil Alexander Walker. There's a willingness there to, to want to re-sign him after the way he came in and, and fit in late in the season um, and really contributed uh, down the stretch and in the playoffs for them. Um, so, but it's all about making the money work. Um, so is it, is it waving Torian Prince and, and just wishing him the best and, and using that money to re-sign Nikhil and then make another small addition to the roster, like maybe find a cheap backup point guard. Right. Um, maybe that's the route. Is it, is it letting go of both Torian Prince and Nikhil Alexander Walker and using more money to sign maybe a bigger free agent? You know, uh, Yahoo Sports was reporting that, you know, Dante DiVincenzo and Bruce Brown could be two targets of, of the Wolves. Mm. Uh, I think Bruce Brown if would make a lot of sense for for, for the Timberwolves uh, just on on paper. Um, but that would require some, some sacrificing. Or do – does ownership – let them go into the tax to make some of these moves uh, yeah. to round out the roster. That's another option. But the the problem with that is now you're, I mean, you're already looking at the luxury tax coming up here um, in future seasons once yeah. Ant and Jaden get their extension. So do you want to be a repeater, um, you know, and the, the penalties that may incur uh with that or do you because you can stay below the tax line this year you are able to do it do you want to make sure you're under it this year because you know it's coming in future years so a number of questions that they're gonna have to answer along those lines in the next week here yeah and we'll see how it shakes out i i mean this is not this is not anything reported my gut instinct tells me they want to stay below the tax yeah i think so too um for for this season they don't want to go into the tax um, because the, those bills are coming uh, the next season or two. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Final, some final thoughts here. But I mean, but, but but the other the other yeah, thing I want to mention yeah. too is like these are middle of the bench, almost end yes, of bench moves right, at this right. point. Like they're starting five is you know, assuming there is no Carl trade. 
if, if, if crawl gets traded, everything is up. Yes, ended. of course. Um, yeah. But this is this is all assuming there's no crawl trade. Their starting lineup is set. They have their first two guys off the bench uh, next year, um, and it's kind of figuring out who's eighth, who's ninth, tenth. Yeah. Like that's where they're at right now with yeah. the roster for next season, which is not a bad place to necessarily be. Well, and I was gonna that's gonna bring me to my final thought, which was, I mean, they also have guys, you know, Wendell Moore was a first round pick a year ago. They, I think they saw some things they liked out of Josh Minot, their second round pick. They just made, you know, they got guys like Luca Garza, who was on a two way last year that showed him some things. And they just took two second rounders who I imagine one of them certainly is not ready to play because he's got the Achilles problem. And the other one is very much in they're Both of those are developmental guys, but you can see them already thinking about kind of future years and needing those kind of eight through 11 players and, and kind of where that's going to come from. Um, it's kind of a two part question. One, what did you think of them getting up into the early part of the second round in, in the draft to, to do what they did? And two are either of more or Minot candidates already to be kind of in that, you know, not first off the bench, but you know, rotation players this year. As for more and Minot, I, I do think so. I think um, I think Minot is a little more intriguing at this point, um, just in terms of the upside of his game and the things that he's able to do, um, especially rebounding. Um, why not so, Minot? So, <laughs> why not Minot? Um, I guess we'll see where he's at. Um, yeah. You know, I, I believe he's on the summer league roster. I haven't really taken a close. Yeah, look I think this, I think they both are. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure there'll there'll be plenty of clips for for the fan base and yourself yes. to to salivate over uh, coming out of Vegas in a few weeks. Um, so I, I would probably say he's the one on that on that radar um, to 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 get those minutes. Um, as for trading up in the draft, it makes a lot of sense for where they're at right now. Um, and at the cost of two future second rounders, one of which you acquired in a trade um, for D'Angelo Russell, it makes sense just to get as many young guys in the pipeline, in that developmental pipeline as you can right now and take as many swings at young players on cheap deals who could become significant contributors in two years three years, however long it takes, um, because you are going to be up against these <laughs> these cap uh, ramifications uh, coming down the road. So you're going to need to fill out the roster with young cost-controlled talent. And yeah. so getting two guys this year instead of one, I feel like is a significant a significant thing for, for them and, and made a lot of sense um for for where they're at just in terms of roster construction not only now because they have the ability to not have not draft people who don't need to contribute right away and down the line because they do have these looming uh these looming financial questions coming up uh, Minot and more are on that summer league roster by the way as are Leonard Miller and um Jalen Clark is too although I imagine he's he won't be, um, playing. He won't be yeah. playing but he's officially on the roster as well that's announced a few days ago so yeah we'll see more from those guys it's interesting it, it feels a little bit like the Denver roster construction right now um with you know a lot of the high price stars and then a lot of the kind of needing to um build out the bottom with with those kind of lower cost contracts but hey you know what Denver just won a championship. Tim Connolly built a lot of that team, so there's something to be said from that. I think what they need to find out 
either right now or within the next 12 months is whether this group of high price stars is the one that is is the one that can get them further than just the first round. Yes. And, and it'll be a tumultuous year. I'm sure. Yes. It always is. It always it, it is. Always, whether, whether it's even, even when they're winning, yeah, I feel like there's, there's, there's always going to be stuff that happens. It's the NBA. It's it's it's, the NBA. it's it's reality show sports. Yes, so it's there's always going to be stuff happening. Well, we'll check back in again soon. Maybe once there's something that happens in free agency here in the next week or two. Chris Hine, until then, appreciate it. Um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Mike. Always enjoy talking to Chris and postscript to our conversation. This time of year, we are always at the whims of the NBA news cycle, so I had to trim just a tiny bit when we were talking about upcoming free agency because the Wolves had made some moves already. Like I said at the jump, they declined. Um, they declined to keep Torian Prince, uh, who, had, who was pretty good for them last year, but maybe is kind of more of a eighth, ninth guy. Same with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who they brought over in <clears throat> a trade towards the end of that last year, that D'Angelo Russell trade that also brought Mike Conley Jr. declined his qualifying option, uh, offer, declined to make him a qualifying offer. But sounds like those two sides could still get together on a long-term deal or at least a multi-year deal. Interesting. Bobby Marks, who was a guest of mine a few weeks ago, did a rundown of projected salaries of all of the NBA free agents. He's got Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Torian Prince kind of in that you know, rotation player, 4 to $6 million a year category. Um, interesting. Jalen Noel's kind of in that category too. So we'll see what ends up happening with Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I imagine the Wolves want to keep at least one of those guys and maybe Nikhil Alexander-Walker is that guy, but we'll find out more free agency starting today. Um, you know, kind of that exclusive negotiation window. We'll hear some of these official signings within a week or so. Let's finish with the cooler. The Lynx, like I said at the jump, won again, 99-97 over Seattle. Nafisa Collier, another big game, 31 points, including the uh, the winning basket with 1.1 seconds left. Like I said, the Lynx, uh, that was an overtime, by the way, the Lynx, 6-9 and nine now, not a great record, um, but still making progress after that terrible start. And like I said, they would be in the playoffs if they started today. Um, so, you know, just interesting to watch them kind of progress this year see where this arc takes them. I still think that they are going to want to have one of those top picks next year, make sure they're you know, not you know, not, not missing out on all of that talent coming up because those difference makers are what take you from you know, the 7th or 8th seed to, to top three, and they've done that before in their history. They know the impact of the lottery. They know what Maya Moore did for this, did for this franchise you know, 12 years ago. So I'll be curious to see how the rest of this season plays out, but they are definitely playing better basketball and some exciting basketball right now, including uh, Collier hitting that fadeaway jumper, 1.1 seconds left to beat Seattle on Thursday. That'll do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed all of this week's shows. If you haven't listened to them all, go back and give that a listen. Royce, was great as usual on Monday. Um, AJ Przinski, fantastic on Wednesday show. Sarah McClellan, didn't mean to skip over her, but that was Tuesday, and that was a lot of draft previews, so not all of that is relevant right now. Um, and Thursday, <clears throat> Star Tribune publisher Steve Grove joined me on that show. That was a lot of fun to talk to him, some really good conversations about sports and the future of the Star Tribune and Minnesota. So go back and catch up on those shows if you haven't already. I'm Michael Rand. Have a great weekend. Back at it again on Monday.